Hey guys, welcome to a Light in the Darkness podcast. I'm Carly Robison. I'm a wife, a mother, and a person who's been suffering with severe health challenges for over 10 years. Through that time, I've had successes and failures while trying to maintain a positive attitude. Now I want to share what I've learned with you, hoping to make your hard times a little easier. This podcast is to help those of us facing times of darkness and trial find ways to let the light in. Hello, welcome to the A Light in the Darkness podcast. Today, I'm excited to get to know David Chatterton a little better. I can't wait for you guys to hear his incredible story. This episode will be an extended episode because I wanted us to be able to hear everything David has to share with us. You won't regret listening to it, I promise. So grab a comfy chair, get a blanket and a box of tissues because you'll need them and meet us back here for an extended episode of the A Light in the Darkness podcast. David Chatterton was born and raised in Murray, Utah and is the fourth of five children David is married to Lindsay Chatterton, and together they have three children, Tate, Naya, and Zoe, with the losses of baby Mac, Ari, and Liam. David is a licensed registered nurse and has a master's degree of science in nursing. David loves his University of Utah football team and is an active board member with Healing Hands for Haiti. He and his wife also have their own nonprofit foundation, Hades Heart. So thank you so much for being here today, David. I'm so excited to be here. I can't even tell you. I cannot wait for these guys to hear everything that you have to share with them. Um, your story has a lot to it. So if it's okay with you, I think we'll just jump right in. You are a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. The bulk of what we're going to talk about today happened when you were serving as a missionary. So was serving a mission something you'd always planned on doing? First off, I'm, I'm excited to be here. Um, I'll try not to get too teary-eyed, but <laughs> anytime I can share uh, my experiences, it's just the best. I can guarantee at the end of this, we're gonna, we're gonna cry, we're gonna laugh, but it's, it's just gonna be a, a great opportunity for us to just come together and, and be able to help each other. Uh, and, and I think that's the important thing. Um, but you asked a great question. Um, was, was a mission always, you know, something that I, I looked for? And the answer is no. Uh, no, it wasn't. Um, growing up, you, you had mentioned, you know, I, I, I'm the fourth of five children. Um, and we grew up in, in some, some pretty humbling experiences. Um, my mother and father worked uh, full-time jobs. My father worked two full-time jobs to, you know, help us keep, keep afloat. Uh, and I know a lot can go out there. Layaway was a big thing for our family. Uh, you know what I mean? And those types of things. And so growing up, my parents took a different approach uh, as it came to me. Um, I had three older siblings that, you know, as, as new parents, if there's any new parents that listen, you learn. Parenting's hard. Um, it's challenging, but it's so rewarding. Um, and it was interesting as, as my parents got to me, uh, my dad decided to kind of take things a little bit differently. Um, and I wasn't necessarily disciplined or anything. And so when I talked to certain people, um, I didn't really have a curfew. I didn't even know what that was. Uh, there's other individuals that had curfews. And, and when you talk to my older siblings, 
um, when they hear my childhood, they say, well, well, David and, and his little sister, who, who my sister is Emma, got to live in Club Med. I don't even know what that means, but to them, I got to live in Club Med. Um, and, and my parents never forced me to really do anything. Um, and so at that time, honestly, a lot of my Sundays were spent with my friends. I didn't go to church. Um, I, I didn't participate in young men's. Um, I didn't go anywhere with the Boy Scout program because my parents didn't kind of force that on me. I, I got to make my own choices. And so as you start to look at it, those are the choices I made. Um, and if I were to go back, uh, I think there's some opportunities and, and some things, young men in the, in the programs that the church have that I really, really missed out on. Uh, and I think those are things that I'd look at. And so you start to say, well, Dave, how did you get to this mission point? Uh, well, growing up, uh, I, I, I did, you know, maybe not make the best choices in life um, uh, in, in doing things, but I came to have a, a great relationship um, with my bishop uh, and, and understanding um, the steps of repentance uh, and, and really trying to find um, the love that Heavenly Father has for us um, going through there. But how it really took a turn is I had a really good friend um, of mine that was not a member of the church. And, and back in those days, I'm not going to date myself that much. I'm still under 40. Um, but cruise, cruising stayed and doing some of those things, that's, that was kind of the lifestyle. Yeah. Um, and we were supposed to go to a nightclub. And for some reason, things didn't work out that I wasn't able to go to the nightclub. Um, and I showed up at home uh, one, one, one weekend um, on a Saturday night, and it was 10 o'clock, and my dad was shocked. Uh, because I wasn't there. Remember, I didn't have a curfew. And so he's kind of like, what, what's going on? And, and I just get, didn't get to go with my friends. Well, I ended up going to bed. And when I woke up the next morning, um, I, I learned of some tragic, tragic news. Uh, that really, that's what, what kind of changed and started um, making me think I needed to do things differently. Yeah. Uh, and that changes um, the friends that I was supposed to go out with um, they were involved in a car accident, oh, no. uh, and they were, they were uh, rear-ended by a drunk driver uh, late at night, um, and my best friend that was in there was killed, no. um, and another one of the passengers, a really good friend, he passed away as well, um, and then one of the individuals survived with some pretty traumatic injuries from it, um, and at that time, I just thought, what in the world? That was supposed to be me. I was supposed to to be in the car and, and some unfortunate events happened and, and I didn't end up in there. Yeah. Um, and it was interesting now, now being in healthcare and, and, and understanding depression, um, anxiety and those types of things. I went through a really dark spell uh, during that time. Um, and, and it was hard. It was really hard. Um, but it was great that during that time I, I had my best friend who was my dad and the whole time you know during the, these events all he wanted to do was love me be a friend and love me um and so i was i was able to kind of work my way through that but it was really interesting because during that time uh he started asking questions you know son w w what do you think about going on a mission and I thought to him, okay, pops, like, let's slow, slow down just a little bit here. I don't think I'm ready for that. My, 
my life yet. You know, I, I haven't been going to church the way that I should uh, and those types of things. I don't think I'm ready. Um, but he never stopped. Um, and, and what a huge, huge lesson, lesson to me um, that I learned during that time. And he just continued to the point that he even, he even came up and said, you know, son, why don't you pray? Why don't you pray? And I looked at him like, uh, how do I do that? Yeah. You know, type of stuff. Yes, we did Sunday, you know, when we'd have Sunday dinners and things like that, we would pray. But I never really prayed for myself uh, to kind of understand what that was. Um, and I remember one night just getting on my, my uh, knees and just sitting there and thinking, how am I supposed to do this? So I quickly get out my cell phone and I'm looking, you know, to see if his numbers in speed dial Heavenly Fathers and I don't have it in there. <laughs> and so here I am like, what, what am I supposed to do here? And, and I remember just having a conversation, just started talking. Um, and it was great. And, and I remember the next day, my dad, you know, as he would every day, how are you doing? Love you, son. You know, did, did you pray? And I said, oh, yeah, pops, I did. I prayed. And he was, how was it? You know, and here he was just so excited to hear that I prayed and it was one step closer and I said pops it was great um, but the windows of heaven didn't open up no angels came and appeared to me I didn't have any signs uh, and it was really cool because he took the time to, to teach me really about praying um, and, and kind of have that father son and say okay let me, here, here's what you need to do the next time you go and pray here's how I want you to try it um, and it was it was amazing um, and during that time, he'd encouraged me to ask about going on a mission because here I was at that kind of that prime age. Um, and I remember uh, specifically asking Heavenly Father about serving a mission. Yeah. Uh, and it was, it, it was life changing. Um, and that was the moment uh, I knew that I needed to get out there and serve. Mm -hmm. um, but as I had mentioned before, um, I, I, I developed a, a beautiful relationship uh, with my bishop um, <laughs> as we worked through the repentance process and, and, and mentally and physically preparing myself um, to go serve on a mission. And it was, it was great. Um, and I remember working on it, but I specifically um, had talked to my bishop about, please don't let my parents know that I'm doing this. Um, because I wanted to do it for myself. Uh, I wanted this to be a personal thing that I did. Uh, and I remember working, and it was a long, long, difficult, but beautiful process. Um, and I remember the time, it was time to be able to turn in my papers. Uh, and I, I turned them in. And this is a funny thing that I need to share with everyone. Um, as I continue, I, I'm going to teach you a bunch of lessons as we go through this. Um, because I think that's what's going to be important for everyone listening, um, as well as myself, that we, we don't get to dictate what we want, right? Our Heavenly Father is the one uh, that gets to choose. Um, but I remember getting on my knees again. I was a praying machine. Uh, I mean, prayer is such a powerful thing. Um, and I remember praying to Heavenly Father and saying, okay, I am going to be the best missionary that's out there. I'm going to work my tail off. I'm going to be a baptizing machine. It is going to be amazing. And, and I just felt good about it. And I said, on one condition, well, two conditions. I either go to Tahiti 
or I go to Hawaii because, you know, not, not necessarily knowing and, and doing things. I just figured um, I was going to go out proselyting or whatever that missionaries do. Um, and then in the evenings, I would go to the beach and either surf <laughs> or take long walks on the beach because I love the sun. I, I wasn't quite for sure. And I just, I just knew that, that that was the direction, that that's where we were, we were going to go. Um, and I remember submitting the papers and off it went, um, kind of continuing, you know, my thing until they, they came in. And I remember specifically, it was on a Wednesday. Um, at that time, that's when the mission calls came. Um, and my cell phone starts ringing. Let me tell everyone that's listening where I was. I was at Lagoon. <laughs> and I was in line to get on the Colossus. Okay. It wasn't wicked. It wasn't cannibal. It wasn't any of these. The, the bomb diggity ride at Lagoon at the time was the double dragon, the Colossus. And here I was in line and my cell phone starts ringing. Uh, and I look at it and sure enough, it's my house. It's my mom calling. And I hurry and quickly answer the phone. And, hey, mom, how's it going? And all I, all I distinctly hear is, if your father puts you up to this, you are grounded. And I kind of stopped like, what, what in the world is she talking about? Like, mom, what, what, what do you mean I'm grounded? I don't even know what that word means. Like grounded, I don't have curfews or anything. And here, here I'm supposed to be grounded. Um, and I said, mom, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm sorry, I got to get on the ride. So I hung up the phone and jumped on and you know, did the double loops and it was great. And all of a sudden my phone just keeps ringing and I answered it up again. And it's, there it is, my mom. And she says, if your father puts you up to this, you're grounded. You get home right now. And I thought, what, mom, what is going on? Uh, and she said, son, there is a letter that's here that it's addressed to Elder Chatterton. And I want to know what's going on. And I thought, oh my goodness, it's my mission call. Oh my goodness. And it's like, we, we had just barely gotten to Lagoon. And I just thought, I'm so excited to go get it. But I had to use my own money to pay for my Lagoon. You know, so what do I do? Like, I know it's going to be there when I get home. And so I need to stay. And, and I just remember we, you know, we stayed for a little bit longer, but that phone just kept ringing. It was my mother. You know, you get home right now because she wants to ground me. And, and I'm not quite for sure what happens. Well, I'm, I'm not too worried because deep down inside, I know that it's, I'm, I'm either going to, to Hawaii or Tahiti. And so there's, there's no big issues there. And so it's, which island do I want to go to, you know, English speaking or French speaking. Uh, and so I, I, I remember, you know, getting home and, and I had one of my siblings there uh, with, with several of my friends uh, and my parents. And I remember um, opening up this letter. Uh, and as I, as I start to read it, Dear Elder Chatterton, um, I paused for a minute. Uh, number one, I didn't know how to say where I was going. And number two, it, it just, it was just a surreal um, event for me. Um, there, there's a few things in life um, for me personally that, that are life changing. Uh, one, becoming baptized uh, and being a member of the church. Um, uh, the second thing is, uh, at least for me, was, was being ordained um, a, a, a deacon, so receiving the priesthood. The third thing was going on a mission, uh, which we'll talk about. And then um, fourth and fifth are uh, marrying my, my lovely wife and then having kids. I, I, I can't take any of those away. Those, those are just some, you, there's no money, there's no, no worldly thing that can take the joy uh, and, and things that come from that. Um, so I stopped for a minute as I, as I went to read 
um, where I was going. I, I couldn't even pronounce it. Uh, hey, hey, Haiti, Porto, Porto Prince. And I just kind of stopped. Uh, and I remember kind of hearing a little loud scream. Um, and there's my mother, uh, bless her heart, as she's pulling her hair. Uh, the distinct words came out, I'm leaving the church. Oh. Uh, and, she out, and she ran out of the room. Uh, and my, my father uh, fell to his knees and said, yes, you're going French speaking. Um, and just for, for the listeners that are out there, um, growing up, my, my father served his LDS mission in France. Um, and so as kids, that's all he speaks to us now is French. Um, and so if you ever hear my father is spe specifically looking or speaking directly at me or any of my siblings, it's only in French. And so here he is. He's, he's got a son that's going French speaking. Um, and I had to stop him and say, no, Pops, I'm, I'm reading here. And President Hinckley says I'm going Haitian Creole speaking. I don't even know what that is. There's no French in there. And my mother, it was, it was very hard for her. Uh, and her distinct words that came out were, they're murderous and rapists in, 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 in that country. You, you have no idea what you're getting into. And, and I didn't. I didn't. I had no idea. I want to make sure the people listening understand, I am not a camper. Okay? I do not camp. Um, I don't like dirt. I don't like to get dirty. Uh, and as I started kind of doing some research and looking in there, um, it really worried me. Um, I didn't realize that Haiti was the poorest country in the Western Hemisphere. Um, and according to the Encyclopedia Britannica, you know, the average Haitian only lived off of a dollar a day. Uh, and I was really struggling with, you know, kind of understanding, okay, it's supposed to be in the Caribbean island. You know, that's where everyone wants to go on a vacation. But why would Heavenly Father send me here when I specifically asked him, either Tahiti or Hawaii, right? Um, that, that's what I specifically asked um, Heavenly Father. Um, but I, I continued down that journey and, and just knew that this was the direction that I was going to go. Yeah. Um, but it was really interesting because I, I, I want to share with the group um, just a couple of thoughts as we go, um, as these were some of the things that, that I, I, I focused on. And, and I try to focus on that as, as, as I go throughout my daily life. And I think as we talk about this, it, it will make a little bit more, more sense. Um, one of the important things that, that we need to look at is um, we're trying to learn every day. Heavenly Father, um, and, and regardless of what we do, we're, we're given experiences, we're given opportunities to learn every day. And it's up to us to do something with what we learn. Um, and so I kind of have a saying that goes along that um, I like to share that um, with the group that I will seek to learn by what I see, hear, and feel. I will write down what is important to me, and I will do them. That's beautiful. Very important. Um, and as you look at that, we're given opportunities every day. Another thing that, that I tend to do, and, and I'm going to share as, as I continue to share my experiences, is we each are trying to find peace. Um, and this year, 2020 is just one of those years. We're, we're each trying to find that peace. Um, and I've kind of had a theme this year uh, that I'm focusing on, and it's finding peace in Christ 
through obedient service. Um, and you ask yourself, well, how do you find peace? How do we find peace in this COVID chaos? Um, and, and what's going on in the world uh, as we look at racial injustice and whatever it may be, how, how can you find peace? Um, and I've just been really um, impressed by this thought of finding peace in Christ through obedient service. Um, and as, as I've been pondering that, three distinct things came to me. Um, and I tried to, every morning, uh, in a non-creepy way, look at myself in the mirror, and do this <laughs> at night as well, um, and, and try to ask myself these three questions um, that I think that if we can do these types of things, it, it's just one more way that we can find the peace that we're trying to find in our life in our difficult times. Um, the first thing I would, I would encourage each and every one of us to do, look at ourselves in the mirror and ask this first question of ourself, was I obedient? Okay, and I'm gonna be honest with the group, those that are listening, most of the time when I ask that question, the answer is no. Okay, it's okay. Was I obedient? And I try to ask myself that every morning and every night before I start the day and before I end the day. The second thing is, did I love the people? Did I love the people? Okay, that becomes very important. And the last thing is, can the Lord trust me? Can the Lord trust me? Okay. And I think by asking ourselves those questions every day and every night and answering those honestly, we can strive to be better people. And the way that I'm trying to do that is through obedience and obedient service and, and helping others, okay? And so I think as, as I continue to share my, my story with you, you're going to hear these come up. And we look at things that have happened to us, things that are happening right now, and things that will happen in the future. And these are questions that we can ask ourselves. You know, when these events, when these tragedies, when these occurrences happen, could I answer honestly to any of these questions? And if we can, then whatever the difficulty is, whatever the challenge is, whatever it is, we can find that peace that we're looking for. Yeah. Um, and I didn't know that before I went on a mission, right? I'm just this dumb 19-year-old kid um, <laughs> that's, that's trying to find himself that, you know, decided to pray and, and got this inspiration, worked through the whole process to be able to get on a mission, and now I'm going. Um, bless my mom's heart the whole time. Uh, she, there she is. I love my mom. Um, it was always, son, you've served a full-time mission. It's okay. Mom, I haven't even gone yet. Nope, you've served a full-time <laughs> mission. You, you're, you're okay. Um, but it was really interesting. And so as, as I prepared to embark into the MTC, um, I remember my dad coming up to me um, and, and giving me some advice. And he says, son, I want to give you the most important advice that you're going to have um, as you prepare to go on your mission. And I thought, oh, no, he's going to tell me, you know, get out there and memorize the scripture masteries and all those things, all this other stuff. 
Um, and he said, son, I'm going to give you the two most important things that you can do. Number one, learn the language. And I thought, well, yeah, duh, pops, you know, I've, I've got to do that. And the second thing was love the people. Um, and so it goes back to the thing that I said, did we love the people? Did you love the people? Um, and that's some advice that my dad gave. And I thought, what does that even have to do with anything? Learn the language, love the people. If I do those two things, pops, I'm going to be the most successful missionary. That's it. And he said, yes, son, that's it. Learn the language, love the people. I thought, okay, you know, if that's what it is. Um, and I embarked on my, my, my mission um, and into the MTC. And that, that was a fun, fun experience. Those that have, have been in the MTC, what, what a great um, opportunity. Obviously, I, I, I've graduated with my master's degree and uh, I've participated in a lot of college, um, but never did anything in the dormitories or anything that many people. So um, to me, I look at MTC as kind of a college life. Um, I was there for the two months, and man, if that's what college life could be like, what a spiritual high. Um, I, I read the Book of Mormon all the way through for the first time. Um, I, I regret to, you know, tell the group this, that it wasn't until I got into the mission, you know, into the MTC that it took me that long to read it. Um, but what a huge blessing uh, and, and testimony building that it was. Um, and then I started learning the language. Uh, which was great. I had a, a little bit of an advantage um, as my father had spoken French at home and, and I could understand that. And so um, Haitian Creole wasn't necessarily an official language um, at that time. Um, the official language in Haiti is French, but 98% of the country speaks and, and or writes Haitian Creole. Um, and so it was really interesting trying to learn the language, but then going back and and reading things uh, in French, which was a little bit easier. Um, and, and I was able to experience my time in the, uh, the MTC and then was prepared and ready to go into the mission field, uh, which was I was really excited about. Um, and at that time, um, you were still able to meet your family uh, at the airports. And I still, still had all those letters that uh, my family and, and mother had written. And she was just so sweet. Again, every letter almost gave the exact date and time. Son, you have served, you know, 30 days, 22 <laughs> hours, 15 minutes, you know, 30 seconds. You served a full-time mission. It's okay to come home. Everyone will love you. You, you know, you've served the Lord honorably. Uh, and so that was, that was really interesting. Um, and I remember uh, on our way, way to Haiti. Uh, and we, we embarked on that journey. And when we got to, to the island, the plane landed. Uh, and I remember seeing these, these people chase after the airplane uh, as I'm looking out the window, and I, I wasn't quite for sure what was going on. Um, and then I started getting worried that maybe the plane was getting hijacked or, or something because they were running with these these mig shift like wood stairs uh, and all sorts of stuff. And um, I wasn't quite for sure what happened. And I remember as as the door opened up uh, to get out there, um, as I went to walk and get my first step in the country, boom, I was hit. Um, I was hit by the heat uh, and the stench, the smell. Uh, and it was very, very different for me. I wasn't expecting it. Uh, and I remember walking with the other four uh, missionaries, the elders that had come with, and people just started talking. Um, and I couldn't understand a single word that they were saying. And I thought, okay, maybe we're not in Haiti. Maybe this is just a layover. 
and it seemed like they were speaking Chinese or some other language that I just didn't, couldn't quite understand. And I remember asking some of the other elders, like, do you understand a word they're saying? And they're, you know, white, pale as can be, you know, no. Um, and at that time, our mission president, uh, President Michael Finlinson Moody, um, who I've come to uh, love uh, and is a special person in my life, um, swooped us up and just said, you keep walking, don't talk to anyone, just go and get in this car. Uh, as people are trying to grab and get you and, and saying things, and I thought, what in the world is going on? Um, and so he kind of drove us up to the mission home, and it was a real, real eye-opener for me um, to, to see um, how other of Heavenly Father's children live. Um, many of us are very blessed. Uh, the families that we, we are a part of, uh, the countries that we are a part of, we're very blessed. Uh, and it was very hard and tragic for me um, to see people walking around naked in the street uh, with no clothes on them. Um, the houses uh, that were little huts with tin roofs, um, some of them, as we go, are made out of clay and mud. Um, but we, we continued and I just was a little overwhelmed, uh, and just said a little prayer in my heart to kind of help me get through this. Uh, we went to the mission home and had a great, great little, uh, little fireside with the mission president. And he kind of gave assignments of where we would be going that next morning. <laughs> and I distinctly remember, uh, president Moody pulling me to the side. Uh, it was a, a pretty interesting, he said, Elder Chatterton, I need to talk to you. Um, and I, I kind of went to the side and with his little arms around me and a kiss on the forehead said, you're just, I'm really excited about you and uh, just want to let you know that I wanted to personally tell you the area that you were going to be serving in and it's in Pationville. And I thought, okay, great. I don't even know where Pationville is, but he says, that's where I live. We're right here in Pationville. So you'll be right close by me, you know, and I'll be able to keep an eye on you and, and make sure that everything's okay. And you know, he's just kind of hugging me. And I just thought, what in the world, President Moody, what is going on? Uh, and I remember stopping and pausing and saying, President Moody, has, has my mother contacted you? Have you talked to my mother? What's <laughs> going on? And he, he kind of gave me that, you know, that little look hot. Elder, I'm not quite for sure what you're talking about. Uh, and bless my mother's heart. Uh, there was some personal exchanges to, to keep her you know, her, her little baby son and, and out of harm's way or anything. <laughs> so it was, it was a real adventure. Um, but I remember as, as we got up the next morning, um, we uh, started heading uh, to the areas that we would be sent to. Well, President Moody failed to mention that he had um, stuck me in an apartment. Um, there was uh, six total missionaries that were in that apartment. Uh, and he forgot to tell me um, that I was the only uh, white person. Uh, the rest of them were Haitian Creole speaking missionaries um, that speak a different language that I don't even understand uh, a word that they say. But I know, I know uh, for a fact that universal yes and no uh, is universal anywhere in the world that you go. Uh, and so that was kind of so uh, shaking your head, nodding up and down. Or, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and it was interesting when I first got there, my companion, um, he uh, was asking questions and I was saying, we, no, trying to say stuff. And 
one minute he's taking stuff out of my suitcase, the next minute he's, you know, putting it because I'm saying no, yes, because I wasn't <laughs> for sure. Um, but that, um, that really taught me again um, the, how important prayer is uh, in our life. Um, I remember that first night in the apartment getting down on my knees again uh, and, and pleading with Heavenly Father, saying, help me. Um, because realistically, if you wanted the honest truth, I was ready to go home at that point. Um, I was in an apartment that had no running water, um, that had no electricity, um, that things were done by uh, kerosene lantern. Um, there was power, but because of how the country is, um, you were fortunate if, if the power got turned on. While I was on my mission, maybe once every three or four months, they would flip on the power for a little bit. Um, and I learned very quickly that the missionaries would turn on all the lights, any radios, anything that you had, uh, because if they did give power, then you needed to run outside and try to turn a pump on that would get pump water up to the top of the roof so you could have some kind of gravity fed water. Yeah. Uh, if not, everything had to be done by a bucket in a well. Uh, and so I told the group before, I am not a camper. Yeah. Uh, and so that first night when I went to flip on the lights and it was pitch black and I couldn't get it to turn on and didn't know how to communicate with my companion to turn the lights on. It was, it was, it was hard. Uh, it was yeah. hard. And so I, I remember a tearful, uh, emotion felt prayer with heavenly father saying, where's my Tahiti? Where's my Hawaii? Cause this is not what I signed up for. Yeah. Um, I didn't change my life around. I didn't give up everything to come and do this. I can't understand a word they're saying. Um, it's so hot um, that I can't sweat anymore. Um, the mosquitoes are attacking me. Um, my stomach hurts. I, I just don't know. Uh, and I remember praying, uh, just helping, asking for help. And, you know, you get that little calm thing. And, and I think my emotions were so high that I, I just kind of passed out. And that's how I fell asleep. Uh, and woke up the next morning, and here we go, uh, ready to go. Uh, but I, I struggled through it. I struggled through it the, the first couple of weeks uh, and months, um, trying to understand uh, the language, um, and, and I feel bad. Uh, my stomach, uh, the parasites and things that are there, um, when you go to a, a third world country, they don't mix well with you. Um, and with no running water, there's, it's just a different way of life. Um, and so it was, it was challenging, uh, but I continued to push through. Um, like I said, my dad made me the promise that if I learned the language and loved the people that I could do it. Um, and so I was trying, I was trying uh, as hard as I could. Um, and, and some days were better than others. Um, I remember getting letters as they came. Um, at that time, the church used the pouch system, and I know a lot of individuals here may have had children, or if you did, um, we were fortunate every, you know, six to eight weeks, that's when the mail would come in, uh, and I would get a stack of letters, and I just would get so excited, and I would just go through them and try to just put them in the order, because if you just open the letters, then you wouldn't realize that six weeks ago, you know, your little niece broke her arm, but she's doing better now. And so you, you had to go back and put them in order. Uh, and I remember that those were cherished things, getting letters from home uh, and loved ones, um, which, which I'm so fortunate that the church now 
the, the, the opportunities for, for the elders and the sisters that are out there and our missionaries to be able to speak um, because it's, it's hard uh, to get through those things. Um, but as you go back, and again, if I had my saying, was I obedient? Did I love the people? You know, can the Lord trust me? Um, I think those would have, would have helped me more, but I continued to pray, obviously not knowing that, that, that thing. Um, but I, I rotated through, you know, several different companions there. And it was interesting because I stayed in my first area um, for three months. Um, and at that time, I felt that I was kind of getting the language. But I remember uh, it was transfer time. And President Moody, you know, had, had given assignments out and had reached out to me um, and said, Elder Chatterton, you're getting transferred again. I'm so excited for you. You're going to the area of Wodelma. And I thought, okay. I had to pause for a minute, Wodelma. And I said, President, that's like the next city over. And he said, yes, you know what, Elder Chatterton, you'll still be right by me. I'll be able to keep a close eye. And I just kept thinking, I'm like, I wonder what, I wonder what my mom, you know, what these kind of exchanges are, you know, that are happening with, with President Moody uh, and, and my mother. But um, I, I was excited. I went down and, and at that time um, was put with a companion that uh, is going to be someone that, that I cherish for the eternities. Um, a lot of great things uh, and things that continue um, to happen uh, because of, of the relationship um, that I have with, with him um, and his wife um, now. Um, but he, he was tough. Elder Montez, Leo Montez, he was, he was a tough guy. Not very much expression on, on his face, um, but he... He, he was a great guy. And it's interesting, just so the group knows, um, at the time, every missionary, Haitian missionary, the, the first thing that they come up to you and do is they have a conversation is they love to try to practice English. Um, but everything is always me, me, BYU. And, and I have to stop for a minute. Like when, when, I, when I hear that, like me, BYU, it's like, no, me, Utes, like me, University of Utah, you know, type stuff. And so it became kind of a running joke, but I could never quite figure it out. You know, obviously I'm, I'm still new into the mission. It's like, why me BYU, me BYU. Um, and, and they learn how important uh, an education is. Um, but from the Lord's University, uh, Brigham Young University, how important it can be um, and the opportunities that, that it can give a Haitian and, and, and all of the Heavenly Father's children that are out there in third world countries, um, they can get just an education uh, that keeps a spiritual aspect um, um, to it. And so it was really interesting. Um, Elder Motes would, would ask me, hey, you know, I need to go to BYU. And I said, no, you need to go to University of Utah. <laughs> and every one of them would ask if, if we could do that. And I remember uh, when, when Elder Motes, Leo had asked me, um, I remember being inspired at the time uh, that, yes, yes, you're right. You need to go to BYU. How can I help? Uh, and he asked and, and kind of gave some strict instructions. And I thought, man, the only one that can help and do this uh, to be able to help uh, my companion was my dad. Yeah. Um, and 
like I said, my, my parents, my father in specific, anything that his kids ever ask, he does it. And I remember it was, um, I had, we had an opportunity to call home. I can't specifically remember if it was Mother's Day um, or Christmas. I believe it was Mother's Day. Um, and I was talking to my family uh, and it was great. And as I was talking, my dad got on the phone and how are things going, son? Are you learning the language? You're loving the people, like I said. And, oh yeah, Pop's doing it. And I'm just so excited to talk to him. And he says, I, well, I need to talk to Elvin Moltes. Could you pass me to him? <laughs> I thought, Pop's like, I don't get to talk to you very often. <laughs> don't you want to know, like, I have diarrhea every day and I'm dying out here, but I'm just, I'm just being amazing. And oh, by the way, I have a nickname that everyone knows me by T-Shot. Elder T-Shot is my name um, because they couldn't say my full, um, my full name that was on there. And so it was all the, always Elder T-Shot instead of Elder Chateauton. Um, and so I started to become very well known as Elder T-Shot. Um, but my dad didn't want, didn't want to do nothing with me on the phone. Son, I love you. Get back out there and do those th two things that I told you. We'll talk to you soon. And he wanted to talk to my companion. Uh, and my companion kind of shooed me out of this, this little area. And I thought, what in the world? And after he got done with the call, I went back to go talk to everyone. And they had hung up. <laughs> I, was a little, I, was a little, I was a little heartbroken. And, and here I am trying in my, my broken Haitian Creole trying to ask my companion, well, did they tell me they loved me? You know, <laughs> did my mom tell you exactly how much time I've been out? Like, hey, you can't just do this. And he says, you know, uh, from what I can understand, time to go back to work. We have the Lord's work to do. Uh, and I was just a little heartbroken. Uh, and we went out and, and that, that right after that call, I was devastated. Uh, and he wanted me to teach a first discussion uh, I know it's a little bit different with preach my gospel, but he wanted me to teach a first discussion. And here I am, you know, trying to muster through it. And I'm, I'm bearing my heart and soul out in, in a deep testimony of the prophet Joseph Smith. Uh, and this, my companion, this ding dong looks at me and rudely interrupts me right during it. <laughs> and he's, you know, has me pronounce a word. He stops me and says, no, it's sacré, pas sucré, you know, repeat it after me. And I thought, what? You know, I kind of looked down and, and this investigators, you know, this family that we're, we're teaching, they kind of look over like, whoa, you know, what is he doing? Uh, and, and throughout the rest of the day, he just continued to, to just correct every word that I said. Uh, and it was frustrating. Um, I, I didn't need that. I didn't need, you know, yelling and discipline. I needed someone to to love me and, and to care for me and, and, and be an example. And I just couldn't quite figure it out. Um, and it wasn't until a few months later that I had learned that, that conversation that my, sorry, that my, my father had had when he rudely passed me off to my companion, you know, when I had purchased this phone card to call home. <laughs> He had made my companion a promise that he would ensure that he would get over to Utah. He would get help him get a visa and help him with his schooling, pay for his schooling at BYU. But the only condition was 
that he made me the best Haitian Creole speaking missionary. So you look at it and your parents love you. Regardless of the choices we make, the mistakes we make, the imperfections we have. And I think sometimes we forget that that's how Heavenly Father feels for each and every one of us. He's willing to give everything to us. We just need to try. It gets hard. It gets really hard. But when we try and we do our best, we can. Well, it was strange. The language came. And in a short matter of time, my companion, bless, him, bless his heart, he, he would do this funny thing where we would go. And in Haiti, people don't have jobs. There's millions and millions of people on this small island. And you go out and it's exactly what I love. I love chaos. I love Black Friday shopping. My brain <laughs> goes 100 miles an hour that it's just, it's just heaven for me. And he would stick me out there and he would challenge people to a Haitian Creole duel where he would challenge people to try to outspeak this white man. And he would start off with a word. He would, you know, say a word in Haitian Creole. And just like we have in English, you know, you have one word that you can say 10 different things that equal the same thing. And he would challenge and we would start with a word and we would just go. And then the people would fall off and I would just continue to go. And before you know it, we'd have hundreds of people gathered around and they would look and say, well, what is wrong with this Haitian? Why is his skin white? What is wrong with him? And then we would teach the gospel. We would teach gospel to hundreds of people that were there. And it was amazing. Beautiful. Um, and what a blessing in my life uh, to be able to have uh, Elder Montes um, be that inspiration, um, that, that person that had the right temperament that could be um, the dictator that I needed at that time. Um, to help me. Uh, there's many blessings uh, and things. I don't know if I'll be able to share um, that, that he has been an instrument um, after earthquakes uh, and the things that have happened in Haiti, um, orphanages and other things that have come through. And it all stems back to being able to get an education in the United States to learn English, to then get a master's degree, to then be able to go back and bless a country um, that's struggling so bad. Um, but I remember at that time, um, he was finishing his mission, um, and I was going to, to stay in that same area. Um, the mission president had said, hey, we're going to continue to keep you here. So here you go. I have, you know, six months in this area, um, and then I've been in the other area, two and a half to three months, and then my short time in the MTC. Uh, and I'm almost coming up on 11 months um, in the mission here. And uh, President Moody had uh, extended a calling to me uh, to be the, the, the zone leader um, in the area that I was in. Guess what? I wasn't transferring. I was staying in the exact same area, you know, again, according to my mother, so he could keep a close eye on yes. me. Uh, and I was excited, excited and nervous for that challenge. I hadn't even been out a year um, and understood the, the challenges that came with that. Um, but the next morning, it was very interesting. I got a phone call 
uh, very early. Uh, Haiti doesn't participate in daylight savings, and so the group knows. Um, and it gets really hot there year-round, especially during the, the summer months. Um, and you get up early, 5, 5.30 in the morning, you get out the door uh, because you've got to try to beat the heat. Uh, and I remember uh, we had received a message that uh, there was a phone call. We didn't have a phone, but uh, there was a, a, an apartment close by of a member that had a phone that uh, they sent the little runner. And he said, elders, elders, telephone. And I remember going and uh, getting the phone call. And we had gotten word that uh, President Moody said, Elder Chatterton, you're going. I, I need you to get your stuff up. Um, I've had some direct inspiration. Please don't ask why, but you're going. Uh, pack your stuff up. I'm, I'm sending you down to the city of Leogan. Um, and I remember getting that news and was just devastated um, because I had a short period of time. It was just uh, just hours before they were coming to pick me up and go. Um, I didn't have time to tell the people in that area who I loved that I had to go. Mm -hmm. Um, into investigators that I was teaching, I didn't get to tell them I was leaving. It was, Elder Chatterton, we got to go. Don't ask why, we got to go. Uh, and I remember um, feeling a little sad because I had gotten to that point that I was skilled in the language. Um, and I, I had felt that I was achieving the two things that my father had told me to do, love the people and learn the language. Um, and uh, I remember getting in the car and heading down to Leogan. Um, Leogan is the um, sugar cane factory of Haiti. And it was interesting because here I am a city slicker. Everything that I've done up to that point was in Port-au-Prince, uh, the capital of Haiti. And now I was being down into the country. And so that was a real eye-opener for me. Uh, again, the same poverty, uh, but a little bit worse. Uh, a little bit worse, but I still... Again, loved, loved the people, uh, but I was trying to understand why um, at this time, President Moody felt that he had the inspiration to send me down there. And so uh, it was, it was nerve wracking. Um, I remember the companion that I had there, um, a great individual. He was close to, to finishing his mission. Um, and President Moody had sent him down a few weeks prior to that as well. Uh, and so he was just as you know confused as I was during the time as to why uh, he was sent down there. Um, but here we are, I was, I was companion with another white um, native uh, of, of America. Um, and we were in an apartment with, with two other elders. Uh, we were just gonna try to do the best that we could. He had a couple of weeks uh, before he was finished to try to show me the area. And then I was just gonna take it over from there. Um, and it, it was great. Um, it was really interesting trying to navigate uh, in the city you don't get a bike uh, and so as we are in the um, country you needed to get a bike and so I specifically remember riding home asking if I could get some money to be able to purchase a bike um, and so they had transferred some money into a bank account and um, and so I was able to do that looking for the perfect bike that I could use to get me around town um, I had a bike that I would use sometimes I would um, get a pump by my companion, so it's kind of awkward seeing the two elders, you know, on the same bike cruising around. If, if they did that, but, hey, you got to do what you got to do. Yeah. Uh, and so, however you got to preach, preach the word. Uh, that's just what we did. And so, um, it was interesting. You, you quickly try to learn um, the investigators that are out there learning. 
Um, and at that time, um, it was a small ward uh, that was very strong. Uh, and one of the investigators, uh, his name was um, Gene, um, he, he was coming. And I remember my companion and, and the ward mission leader at the time saying, this gentleman is primed. He's primed to get baptized, so he's our first baptism. It's really, it's really great in Haiti. Um, they're a very religious people. Uh, uh, a lot of Catholicism that's there, uh, a lot of voodoo, um, as well as the other Christian. Um, and so when it comes to teaching the gospel there, they're always open up to listen. But I remember um, we, were, we were trying to, to teach uh, Gene um, and, and whatnot, but the only time that he could come was to the church because he, he lived so far away. And so we would teach him and, 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 and several other people um, the gospel. Um, and I distinctly remember um, on a Wednesday, um, we woke up and things were just, it was just a horrible day. Uh, we went out of the apartment uh, and I had forgotten my money. Uh, and so when I went to ask my companion um, if he could go and open up the door, uh, he had locked his keys in the apartment. And the other elders had laughed and he thought, we can't get into the apartment. Um, and the, the homes where the missionary stays, there's a 30-foot barrier with glass bottles and barbed wire. And so I was not going to climb. <laughs> yeah, to go get the money. So it was either use this broken down bike, you know, that I had or, you know, just be fortunate enough. I just, my companion can do all the heavy lifting you know, pump me around and I'll just, but I remember as we kind of went throughout the day, we had an appointment set up with Gene um, a little bit later in the afternoon, but I remember as we went, um, people just weren't home. Uh, my companion and I, um, you know, just felt, what is, what is going on? Something, there's just not something right uh, with the situation. Um, and as the day went on, it was finally time for us to be able to go and, and uh, uh, teach Gene Jean-Marie the, the this discussions. Um, and as we met him, he said, hey, I've got some other family members that are really excited to hear the gospel. Uh, and at that time, my companion and I kind of looked at each other like, okay, here we go. The bad day just turned great because Gene's got some more people for us. And we had jumped in a Haitian tap tap at that time and, and started our journey um, to go and teach. Uh, and as we rode in this, this tap tap, this taxi, we just kind of kept driving. Um, and it just it just didn't feel right. Uh, and my companion and I, we, you know, we kind of looked at each other and we, we continued to talk to Gene and just said, you know, this just isn't right. Something's not right. And Gene said, no, 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 just be patient. We're almost there. We're almost there. Um, and it's just the people just kept getting off this tap tap. The only people that are left are uh, my companion and I and, and Gene and, and the driver. Uh, and as he finally tap tapped and hence the word tap tap you tap on the side and the the, the chauffeur will pull over and you jump off uh, he jumped off and turned the car around and went down the road off into you know no man's land um, and I remember reading in my journal uh, just recently that um, I had specifically written in there in a country of millions of people this was the first time in my mission um, that I felt such alone, a loneliness. I was alone. Yeah. Um, and it just, just wasn't right. Um, and I remember Gene kind of led us across the, the, the bumpy road and said, Hey, we need to go up there. Uh, and as we were crossing the road, there was another gentleman that came um, to join us. And he said, Oh, well, there's, we're so excited to hear. 
um, you know, Gene has told us that, that you were coming. We can't wait to hear about the Book of Mormon and everything else. We've got fresh fruit and, 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 and vegetables that we've picked. We've got chairs, our wife, everyone. We're just so excited to hear the message. Um, and you think as missionaries, you, you'd be excited about that. Uh, it just, it just didn't, didn't seem right. Um, and I remember we distinctly walked up a little ravine um, that had been washed away by the rain. Um, it is an island, and so there's a lot of the tropical storms, um, and a tropical storm had recently come through and kind of um, paved the little path that we walked up a hill. Um, and my companion and I went up this hill with um, this new individual up front leading the way and 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 Gene behind kind of pushing us up. And there was no way to turn back. You couldn't turn unless I wanted to get dirty, and I refused to get dirty. Um, and so we kind of went up, and as we got up on the top, there we were. Um, and we stopped and looked around and there was no one. Um, and we asked, well, where is everyone? And they said, oh, they're just, they're just that way, just a little bit. And right at that moment, out of the bushes came three individuals. Armed and running straight for us yelling, get down on your hands and knees, or we'll shoot. And I instantly dropped, my companion dropped, and instantly through my head, all I could think is, where's my Tahiti? Where's my Hawaii? I didn't sign up for this. Yeah. Here I was, I loved, loved the Haitian people. I'm fluent in the language. And my dad even promised me that that's a successful mission. As I'm duct taped, as things are taken from me with a gun to my head. Why me? Is it because I didn't go to seminary how I should have? Is it because I'm not an Eagle Scout? Is it because I didn't do young men's? And so for that moment, I couldn't find the peace. As things, my things, my belongings were taken from me. And money. Why would my mission president take me? He told me just a few days ago that I was gonna be the zone leader in a different area. And here I am in the middle of the Haitian jungle. My mom was right. There's murderers, there's rapists, and there's bad people. Why didn't I listen to her? It was hard. It was hard. Yeah. I prayed. And there was some comfort that came, but just not knowing, not knowing what's going to happen. There are the promises in my life that I was supposed to have a, 
a life full of joy and happiness. I'm 20 years old. That's not long enough. Well, they wanted money. There was a ransom. There were ransom tapes that were made. But after the first initial frustrations and fears, as I look back on it, one of the first things that they went for were my companion's keys. Why? After that, when another individual came that was orchestrating the kidnapping, became very upset that the people that he had hired to do the kidnapping had kidnapped the wrong people. I told you specifically to kidnap the white missionary and the Haitian missionary. Well, guess what? That Haitian missionary was transferred and I came in. Several days of being kidnapped, ransom tapes, miserable nights, frustrations. My companion and I didn't falter from what we were supposed to do because we were obedient. We would try to have a companionship study. We would try to read scriptures because they didn't take those. But it's hard when an individual sticks a gun in your face and tells you to stop. On one of the nights, I remember on the first night being so frustrated, I just thought, okay, Heavenly Father, if you're gonna do this, this is what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna teach the gospel. And I remember teaching a first discussion as they left us with one gunman. Do you know, have you heard about repentance? Let me teach you the five steps of repentance. Have you heard about the prophet Joseph Smith? And I remember going to do that and my companion with a nudge, with duct tape on said, Elder Chatterton, don't, I don't wanna die. But I thought, oh yeah, I'm gonna teach. And if something happens, I'm gonna say, Heavenly Father, I was teaching. Well, that night we had fallen asleep. And I remember waking up to duct tape being taken off. And that individual that I was teaching with a little bit of money in my hand and my companion said, here, pray to your God for forgiveness. We're a poor people. I'm sorry for what I've done. Take this money and run. Run as fast as you can the opposite way. Pray for me. And I looked at my companion and said, see, the gospel is true. All we have to do is teach it. Well, that wasn't my initial thought. It was out of frustration. Yeah. 
but obviously as, as we went to go, the other, other kidnappers came. And so at that time, it wasn't the right time. But the days went on and we would pray. And I remember my prayers have always been answered. At least I thought so. And I remember offering a prayer with my companion, asking for forgiveness, whatever it is, the patience we had learned over the, the couple of days, but please give us a sign or something to be able to go. Uh, and I remember ending that prayer thinking, okay, here we go. The heavens are going to open up and nothing happened. And let me tell you, that's a, that's a faith shaker. I bet. And, and it frustrated me for a minute. And my companion the next day offered the exact same prayer as they left us with one kidnapper as the others were taking ransom tapes to the mission home as we recorded ransom tapes with guns stuck to our heads. We, my companion offered the same prayer that I did. And as we got up, my companion ended. There was the gunman with the gun pointed at our heads, shaking. And he said, you stay here. And he ran. He ran. My companion and I looked at each other, not hearing the ocean, not hearing the wind, or the voodoo drums, or the sounds of a busy island. And we knew it was our time to go. We took our stuff and we ran. We ran the opposite way that he did, having no idea where we were going. But we ran. We were met by the FBI, church, security, the Haitian National Police. We were interviewed, questioned, but my companion and I at that time made a promise with each other that we wouldn't give much detail of the individuals involved. Wow. In Haiti, they would have been executed. And all I could think was that first gentleman that I don't even know his name, that I can't wait to meet in heaven and ask for forgiveness. It's all I can think of. Yeah. All we need is a chance. All we need is a chance. And sometimes we're too quick to judge. I remember speaking to Elder DVA on the phone. I think he wanted a, a debriefing of the situation. What a spiritual giant. He was serving in the 70s. He was over 80 at the time. And he distinctly asked me, Elder Chatterton, do you know about what time that you escaped? I said, well, Elder Didi, if I had had a watch, my watch was stolen from me, so I don't know. I don't know. He says, well, if you had to guess, Elder Chatterton, what time do you think that would have been? 
I said, well, judging by where the sun was, probably 12 o'clock noon. And then there was a pause. And he said, that's great. That would have been 10 o'clock our time. Brother Chatterton, I just want you to know at 10 o'clock, President Hinckley and the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles went inside the Salt Lake Temple to close a fast specifically for you and your companion. Well, if I didn't know the gospel was true, I don't know what would change it. Yeah. <laughs> well, I was given some horrible news that I had to go home, that I wasn't going to be able to finish out my mission. I had only been out for 11 months. I was devastated. I remember being on the phone with my mom and dad, my stake president, Elder DDA. They just said, unfortunately, this is how it is. And I specifically told them, they tried to take me out in a body bag and it didn't happen. I am not leaving. Wow until I fulfill my mission. And the answer was no. If you ask my mom, she'll tell you the first thing that I kept saying when I talked to her, mom, please don't let them take me. Don't let them send me home. I didn't. Well, we had to spend a couple of days as they arranged our visas and things to go. Lo and behold, got a phone call from Elder DDA asking if we would be the first Haitian Creole speaking missionaries to go and serve in the New Jersey Morristown mission. But they were looking for Haitian Creole speaking missionaries. I didn't know that when we got there, but the mission at that time, 164 strong, give or take, that had a fast that the church would allow some Haitian Creole speaking missionaries to come. We never know what's going to happen in our life, right? I served in New Jersey. What a blessing. What wonderful people. Haitians are everywhere there. They were more shocked to see a white missionary than they were in Haiti. But what a huge blessing. And I look back on part of that experience. And I think during any of that, if I go back to those three things, was I obedient? 
did I love the people? And can the Lord trust me? At that time, I could say yes. But times are hard. And I'll be honest with those listening. I still struggle. I still struggle. PTSD is a real thing. And my life could be a lot different. I could have made different choices after that event. If you think about it, being held hostage, kidnapped, taken against my will, being put in vulnerable situations. But there's people in our lives that are there to help us. My mom and dad, my wife, my family. But more important, Heavenly Father, the Savior. I can complain about my things, right? But the things that he went through are a lot worse. And the people out there are struggling with depression, anxiety, PTSD, addictions, whatever it is. There's hope. I go to Haiti every year to face my fear. Amazing. I do it to face my fear. People don't realize that. My wife knows. But I love the people. It turned me into a man. It gave me opportunities that maybe I wouldn't have had in my life. I participate on a nonprofit, Healing Hands for Haiti. And as you mentioned earlier, my wife and I have taken on a new nonprofit. But I don't know where it's going to lead. But all I know is it's going to allow me to touch lives, to be an example, to not let fear, frustrations, or hatred towards an individual, a country, but it's going to allow me to share my love, my testimony with others. Yeah. COVID's kind of thrown a wrench in all of this because we had a trip planned uh, to go out there, but we're just trying to be able to get through it. Um, and we understand that Heavenly Father has his reasonings. Um, and we just trust, we trust that all will be well. As mentioned in here, all will be right in the world again. You just have to hold, hold strong. Yeah. There's a lot of details uh, in the story um, that are little, little blessings um, that as I continue to reflect every day and share my message, that Heavenly Father was in this the whole time. It was hard for my parents um, because they got word. Um, there was uh, the FBI's had tapped their phone lines um, because this was after September 11th. Uh, and so individuals were worried. Uh, governments were worried. Um, and so uh, 
their side of the story is very interesting um, as they had to go downtown to get the message that we had been kidnapped. Um, that was hard for them, uh, not knowing what was going to happen. Um, but my, my father uh, received revelation that um, I love the message that he shares. Um, and we use, I use it a lot, uh, again, in difficult times. Um, and the message that he heard very distinctly, um, that was a voice that came um, as he was worried, frustrated, not knowing, he decided to go out and mow the lawn. Uh, and the distinct words that came to him very clear over the lawnmower and everything was, he was mine before he was yours. And my dad stopped and said, you're right. The voice said, he was mine before he was yours. And he, he taught me afterwards, he said, son, that's a lesson that we need to look at in everything. We've had, we've lost children, as you mentioned earlier. And those are difficult things, but guess what? They were his before they were mine. All the many talents, the things that we have, they're blessings from him. We just need to look at, at being willing to share our talents, our testimony, our spirit, whatever we have with others. Beautiful. You are so in tune with the spirit and the words that you say and the message that you share is something that's going to touch so many people. I know that Heavenly Father gives us trials for a reason. And just like you talked about, you know that there are things that you've learned through this experience that maybe you wouldn't have learned other ways. But through our difficult times, we're given a choice of how we will respond to them. If they will make us bitter and angry at Heavenly Father. And that's such a natural thing to do, right? But the trick is to learn how to use your trials to make you better instead. And I think you're such a wonderful example of that. I'm so grateful for the spirit that's been here today as you've shared your message. Thank you so much for being vulnerable and sharing your story with us. Oh, you bet. It's what an honor. Anytime uh, that I can share my experiences and, and my testimony, I would not wish it upon anyone to be kidnapped. Yeah. I, I want to make sure that they understand that, but I think we all go through our own kidnappings, um, our own trials um, that Heavenly Father gives to us to make us stronger. Um, and so those that are listening may may look and say, you know what, I'm, I wasn't kidnapped in Haiti, uh, but in events that may have happened in your life or are happening now, we are. And so how do we how do we get out of that? Uh, and, and come to that understanding that we can find peace, and that's through our Savior. And so I appreciate you allowing me uh, to share this uh, with those that are out there, uh, and I hope that they're uh, inspired, um, that they can get through hard things. Yeah. Um, and and it's just it's just a, a blessing to be able to do this. So thank you. Well, thank you so much. If there are people out there that are maybe inspired by your story, or if they want you to come share your story with their congregation, 
or maybe they want to learn more about your nonprofit organization, how can they get in contact with you? So our, our, our nonprofit website is Hades, hadesheart.org uh, is, is the website. And then I can be reached at um, um, the, our, our nonprofit website. It's david.chatterton at hadesheart.org. Uh, and I can give you that information. Um, and so anyone can reach out, uh, out to me uh, personally on there and, and would love to try to inspire anyone, um, anyone that's struggling, um, they can reach out to me. Um, I can help them through that. So, Thank you so much. I'll put a direct link in the show notes too. Oh, this is such a powerful story. And I feel so blessed to be able to look at you in your eyes as you tell this story and testify of God's love for us and for you. So thank you so much. Thank you. And thank you all for listening to this special extended episode of the A Light in the Darkness podcast. It is my hope and prayer that the Spirit spoke to your heart and maybe even helped you with a problem that you're facing right now as you try to find the light in your own personal darkness. I will see you guys here next week. I hope you have a wonderful week. Bye. I want to give a special thanks to my son Carter for recording and writing our intro and outro music for this podcast. If you want to hear more of his music, you can find him on Instagram at CarterGuitar456. 